Hey, beautiful people. This is James Prim with this Beautiful Crazy Life podcast. It has been a while for sure. I haven't recorded in some time. I have just revamped the YouTube page. It is awesome. So if you haven't been there, make sure to type in this Beautiful Crazy Life podcast and then you will see it. If you hear me breathing kind of hard, my allergies and my asthma is kicking my butt lately. So just ignore that. Anyway, guys, let's get straight to the point. What we're talking about here today is Hillsong. Um, As people recently know, Hillsong pastor Carl Lentz has been removed. Uh, His church removed him because he was having an affair with another woman. And now Hillsong is doing an investigation. They're asking people who've been part of that church to contact them. And I'm not sure exactly what they're trying to investigate. I think just trying to see if there's been any abuse of power. Now, who is Hillsong? If you're not in the Christian world, Hillsong is this huge Pentecostal church. They are all over the world. They are probably one of the most popular churches in like modern Christianity, especially in the like, I mean, everywhere. One of people who are know the Christian church in any way know what Hillsong is. Now, for some people, they love Hillsong. For other people, it's it's kind of infamous. And some people disagree with their approach or their theological preferences, while other people think their approach is necessary. Carl Lentz was the uh, pastor for Justin Bieber, and that's how he sort of became big when he was already kind of a popular pastor, and that just blew him up more. And he looks like a supermodel, quite frankly, and he cheated on his wife, and that made the news now he is no longer, him and his wife are no longer working there. And... I'm not really going to talk about that. I mean, there's so many Christian content creators, CCCs, as I like to call them, who are already talking about this. You know, they have all their types of different reasons. And maybe I'll make a video about people reacting to the Carl Lentz scandal and just sort of how some of it's problematic. But I won't talk about that today. I want to talk about an article from someone who helped start the... Hillsong Church in New York City. Um, This article is called Hillsong NYC Dishonorable Mentions. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read through every paragraph and then I'm going to just, you know, say my thoughts, what I think about it. And this article is a, well, actually, it's not really an article. it's It's a blog post. And the name of this blog post is Jamie the Cat the Blog. Just a girl feeding myself to the world. Asking it to love me. Interesting. All right. And so you can go to Jenny, J-A-N-I, thecat.com to Google this. And then you'll find that there. But I'm just going to read through the first paragraph here. So I guess Carl Lentz said 2023 times because she recently came for him in the shape of a sudden announcement from Hillsong Global Senior Pastor Brian Houston, that after a decade as the lead pastor of Hillsong NYC, he has been let go for leadership issues. Breaches of trust and more of failures, the three branches of government, setting off, wow, dang, she really, uh, she's not, she's hitting strong here. Setting off a still rising tide of speculation and revelation has led to the opening of an independent investigation to help determine how deep the troubled waters are. So that's something. What exactly and how much good will it do is unclear. Also, how independent an investigation can be 
when the contact email address belongs to a lifetime Hillsong Global staff member. I guess we'll find out, but in the meantime, we will have our story and we will have the right to tell them. So if you've been wounded by uh, Hillsong NYC, whatever form it took, I'm sorry. I'm sorry we weren't able to stop it before it got to you. Whatever you choose to do with your story, whether you want to use this email address to add to the investigation or share with someone you trust and or use it as fuel to remove yourself from an unhealthy environment, know that you are not alone. By the time you read this, I will press send on an email adding this post, my story to the independent investigation, my posting to the show that there are levels of church hurt and all that matters. So right off the back, I mean, you can tell this person is someone who's been hurt. So I never been to Hillsong. I actually have never listened to a Hillsong uh, sermon or watched one of their messages, but I am familiar with the music. And so I have, this is a place I've never been to. This is one person's perspective, of course, in a church that I think they say they have thousands of people per Sunday, uh, pre-COVID, um, that come in in person and like the, 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 they fill up like a stadium or an arena. But this is someone who has been there, it sounds like, for some time and is giving an insider-outsider perspective. So let's keep that in mind. So let's go to the second paragraph. Where do I begin? I became part of Hillsong NYC in 2010. I was part of the original launch team. Well, the original Launch Connect group. Let me not overstate my role because from its earliest days, a hierarchy was firmly in place. And if I was to comb through my emails, I could probably tell you the exact date that the rungs of a ladder snapped into place. Because before the Connect group was Hillsong NYC, it was a launch team for Urban City Church, a church plant of R&J, don't know who those are, a friendly enough couple I had first met at Hillsong Bible College. Oh, yeah. Before being part of Hillsong NYC, I was part of Hillsong Sydney Hills Campus from 2006 to 2009 or 2005 to 2009. So Hillsong actually has like a college. They do like ministry where you can you can because people go to school for quote unquote ministry. And it's not like a seminary degree. I don't even think they're accredited, but I know a couple people. I know a few people went there because they went to my church. So it's a very popular thing. People go there to learn all types of things. Um, and I have to say, the level of worship my church had was very high quality compared to other churches in the city I live in. So clearly they produce really competent people. Um, so I'm gonna continue on. So I was deep, I so I was deep, she was deep, completely sold on the mission and was already preconditioned to not only overlook, but expect certain nonsense. I just want to stop there real quick here. So I think one of the things of a lot of organizations, um, you know, is that when you're in an environment of any kind, you get used to whatever that culture is putting out, good and bad. I remember my previous employer had a very toxic culture, but I was so used to it that I just expected it to go that way. And at some point, you just do become sold out to that system. So I understand what she's going with there. Uh, Once they no longer had to be friendly to convince people to build their thing, we were no longer friends. We were all servant leaders. Emphasis on the leader for them and servant for the rest of us. Ooh, 
shots fired there. I mean, I think that's a lot of organizations, though. This isn't just um, something that any particular church, business, whatever suffers from. Is that, you know, people really do love catering to you to join in whatever they're selling you. And then after that, they leave you to the wayside. I've had that happen to me before. Where like, hey, join us and it's service. We're serving you. We love you. You're so awesome. And then when you are in and sold out, they are hard to find. And the expectation for you is much more higher than them. And churches love using that term servant leader. If you're not familiar with that, it's a whole concept. Look it up. I'm not going to explain it. But I understand what she's saying. As someone who's been in organizations that have done that before. And as someone who's led organizations, I hope I've never done that and if i have i'm sorry all right let's move on here so emphasis for them and servant for the rest of us being tasked with cleaning their apartment and rearranging their furniture before and after meetings bringing snacks and as you know as most of you know you are on a struggle street but let's do everything with excellence and steer clear of store brands dang they wanted that good gouda cheese that gouda and showing appropriate deference then in all times. I remember Jay inviting me to coffee to take me to task for a tweet where she felt I was dishonoring towards her. Um, imagine that, me dishonoring some dumb 20-something and then being so insufficiently apologetic because I'm grown and you're ridiculous. And she felt the need to tell me, I'm your leader and it doesn't matter who ends up leading this church. I'm still going to be your leader so it looks like we have some tension right off the back i mean starting an organization is so difficult and i think a lot of times what i've noticed when people do a church plan and this is someone who's an outsider people come and already know who they're choosing to fill certain roles and if you're not in that group um, it does make you automatically an outsider in a lot of ways it's just a way that humans kind of set ourselves up. You have the inner group, you have an outer group, you have an outer group, you have an outer group. And I think she might give us more information as this article goes on. And I don't see that as necessarily a bad thing per se, because you do need a leadership structure in some sort. But I think the church is supposed to be something different. I'll have some more thoughts as we go on with this article so let's check it out and see what else she has to say. But that's kind of wild, though. How are you going to make people clean their apartment? That reminds me, I used to work in, I think I shouldn't share this. So I was in a, I was working for a person in this in my state who had a position of power. And the chief of staff I worked under would always, like, make me do their dishes and clean their like office sometimes we'd have to do that and it's just so weird like why am I washing the dishes of a grown man here and I think it's just one of those things where it's like people of position of power they're so busy and we're all busy in that job that they just expect people to do things like that for them and if you don't mind doing that have fun with it but I'm not really for it I don't really find that as serving anyone Especially when you're able to do it yourself, bro. If people are gonna move, it's nice when people help move your couch for you. But how are you gonna make how are you gonna how are you gonna how are you gonna have other people move your furniture? I've led many small groups in my house. 
And a lot of times, dude, I will do the dishes and people join in on their own. I would move stuff around and have extra chairs. People just genuinely helped. I never was like, and I had a, a, a position as a deacon and teacher at my church. So I had quote unquote power, but that's ridiculous. That's the most ridiculous thing ever. All right. So let's go on because we didn't know who Carl. Oh, oh sorry. Because we didn't know who the lead pastor was going to be at this point, the first time I heard the names Carl and Laurel Lentz was listed as people were going to be part of the team. But it wasn't until weeks later that it was officially announced that Carl and Joel would be the lead pastors and Laura, kind of, by default. Anyway, I only mentioned these early days to point out that the toxic leadership culture of Hillsong NYC was not a creation of Carl Lentz. It was a preset of the structure. Ooh, we're going to go back. Structures are interesting things. And unfortunately, he ran with it. We all did. Through actions and through acquiescence. Wait. Acquiescence. I think that's how you say that. Because it, we, because to speak up to or to question was to dishonor, to not give sacrificially of your time, money, energy, talents, was to be half-hearted and fully dishonorable. And to want to be recognized, paid, or promoted was to be doing things for the wrong reasons. And to be grateful, Jesus gave his all, and we should too. And lucky for us, Hillsong on Wasi was there to take, take, take it all. The culture doesn't just start with the leadership, but everyone participates in it. Now, leadership starts the pace, but everyone participates in how the culture takes out. And when you have no reformers, no one speaking out, it just continues to perpetuate. And I wonder what the rest of the article, I wonder if it'll highlight that more, but that seems to be a symptom of toxic culture, is that leadership doesn't set a pace where there's transparency and openness, and then everyone else follows suit because that's what's expected. And you'll see that in many industries all across the corporate world. What's worse about this in the church, right, What's worse about this in a church is that they bring up spiritual baggage with it as well. And so when there's spiritual baggage on top of also being your paycheck, it gets really muddy. And I don't know if she was a volunteer or if she got paid for this or not. But either way, that's really tough because then it's like, oh, you want to take a vacation? Didn't Jesus die for your sins? I don't know if they said it like that, but you see what I'm saying? Jesus did everything he can for you, you guilty sinner. Now, you need to do everything you can for his church. And then what ends up happening, and this is like the worst part, is that if you want to actually get paid or honored for what you're doing, you're seen as being greedy or too ambitious. And that is a very hard thing to kind of figure out. I remember when I was volunteering a lot in my church and they would give out stipends. I was like, I'm working a lot here. Like, I feel like I should get paid. Like, how do I bring this up? Because I don't want to seem like I'm greedy or if I'm moving too far. And it's different than my job, but I'm definitely working. So you see how that dynamic can happen? And no one ever discouraged me at uh, my church, my old church, to not ask to get paid. I just did that to myself. But imagine when leadership is the one who's postponing that. You don't need a Sabbath. You don't need a break. Work harder. Don't complain. Jesus gave it to you. It's bad theology for one and it's spiritual abuse for two. All right, let's go to the next part here. So what did I so what did I get to do? 
I got to work backstage leading the stage managing team. I got to be part of worship team as a BV. One of those ones with a mic, but not one of those ones whose mic was on. Dang, is that a thing? Just have people up there to be up there? That's weird. I got to lead connect group of wonderful women in Upper Manhattan. I think that's probably like a small group. I got to write the weekly connect group studies across all the Hillsong NYC groups. So she's a small group leader who's in charge, I guess, of the entire campus group. So she's like a deacon or a pastor, basically. I got to ghostwrite. Dang, they have ghostwriters out in churches like that? Someone call up Drake. (laughs) That wasn't funny. No one laughed at that. Church emails and sermon stuff. First jokes. How are you going to write a joke? And then hefty portions of messages for Pastor Josh Kimes. I guess he's one of the pastors. That's so weird. Now, I know sometimes it's a collaborative effort when people write a sermon. I've written all my own sermons myself. But I've also never got to preach on Sundays where I was at. But I taught in other areas. And I think that's really cool as long as everyone gets their credit. And luckily, my church always, people did, at least a pastor, head pastor, gave the credit to people who helped out. Um, unless that's not true and someone has other information. But I find that so strange, you know, first. And why, how are you going to, you can't write your own jokes? That's weird. Um, one of the things also with this, though, is just how important the sermon is in churches. Like, the sermon is such an important aspect of the modern Protestant church instead of the Eucharist and the table. So because of that, having an amazing message every week is so important, especially of a church of this size. So basically, you have to have full-time ghostwriters just for you to keep blowing people away. You have to have a, literally a professional joke writer that's absurd all right let's go on here let's see i got to know and love carl lentz working in my capacity as a stage manager i interacted with him all the time in the early days um for whatever reason we clicked and knowing that issue of infidelity are what ultimately brought his pedestal crashing down let me be clear there is never any of that type of impropriety between us any abuse of our of our any abuse of power in our relationship was a good old-fashioned, irritating, mansplaining kind. Ooh, he's mansplaining? Mansplaining. Homeboy was mansplaining. Mm. I wasn't sure about adding my two cents because I wasn't treated that badly by Carl specifically. He was a diva with a tendency to tech recklessly. Like, dude, you know screenshots are a thing, right? And he was annoying, but he was also funny and warm. And the less enchanted I became with Hillsong itself, the less regard I had for his ego. And so I would fight him about dumb things like his disdain for cats and real things like issues of inequality at Hillsong NYC. As a single black woman who had given so much for myself, my time, and my talents, it stung to watch lesser qualified white boys waltz into positions I would never be considered for. Because God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called, right? But he isn't. But it wasn't just about me. The lack of platform diversity and the most diversity in the world was stunning. So I would question him. Women make up more than half of this congregation, but only preach the platform three to four times a year. Why this congregation is full of people of color and a full of single people? But every time God adds a new pastor, the staff preaching rotation is a married white male. Why? I would say we have to do better. He would say he agreed, but he would wait for God, for somebody bring a single or. Female black person of color with the skills needed. We wanted a single black 
female could write studies good enough for the whole church. All right, so, ooh, there's a lot of things here. So there's two ways you can respond to this. One, you could just be like, social justice, well, you're, eh, or you can really think about this. So let's take time to sort of parse this out here because I think this is super important. Uh, one of the things that I think is interesting about this and what she's saying is, so if a church of that size, for one, there's no way for a church of this size where every member is gifts, because we believe in the gifts of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and Parsha's roles and gifts for every believer. There's no way you can do that in a church of that size. I mean, you have to have class upon class, you have to have a lot of participation. So most of those people just, you know, there for a Sunday and move on. So what do you do in order to get more people involved and have their gifts come out? You're telling me a church of that size, there's not anyone from a person of color who can be there and give a word and preach a sermon, right? I highly doubt it. Now, you might be saying, James, why does it matter? The kingdom of God is all about the preaching and the word. But this is just social justice warrior stuff, man. But there's a point to this. If you have people and you have a diverse body, you should have people who explain and speak into all the experiences. Of course, you should speak. I believe in exegetical preaching, but topics and different viewpoints can all be there. Like That's why there's a million denominations. A lot of verses may not. Scholars disagree with what a verse or a chapter or a book the overall narrative structure can be. There can be different training this person gets. There can be experiences that they want to offer. And if the body of Christ, like in Ephesians says, where all the walls were broken and division was made between the Gentile and Jew, then everyone should be allowed to have a place. There should be different perspectives, just like the apostles, just like the disciples, right? If the body of Christ is multicultural, multi-generational, multinational, and you live in a city like New York City, not somewhere in the middle of nowhere, Nebraska. You should be able to find people, intentionally, who are skilled. I'm not saying just give anyone up there because they have brown skin if they don't know what they're talking about. But when you have people literally writing a sermon, what are you doing to push those gifts? Are you doing teaching and preaching classes? Are you giving them platform time? Are you allowing for those people to have other positions to start? Are you paying attention? What's your communication team look like? What is it made of? I'm just all I'm saying. A lot of times the problem with this in these structures is that other people who fit into the mold of what's quote unquote acceptable end up being in. And here's my thing about the whole race issue. What I think happens is people in positions of power pick other people who look like them to fill those positions of power. So that person could be qualified. You know, she said, oh, another white boy. Maybe all those pastors are qualified. Doesn't mean other people are not, and there shouldn't be a place for them. And we should the church shouldn't be a place where we're like, there's not enough for everyone to eat. There should be more than enough. There should be more than enough. It's not just about money, though. But if this church, Hillsong Church, brings in millions of dollars, is my understanding. Like, easily, I heard 30 to $40 million a year. I think there's enough for everyone to eat. It's priorities. And for me, I think paying your staff well, if you can afford as a church, should be a priority. Along with giving to the, those in need, making sure your members are well, all the other things. But that should be saying because someone is literally pouring into the people. Bro, I'm preaching right now. Let me go on to the next part. Y'all ain't gonna listen. Y'all ain't even listen. That might be too much. That's too deep. All right, <laughs> let's go to the next part here. How does the old saying go? Gaslight someone and they'll serve for a day. 
teach them to gaslight themselves and they'll serve forever? It works. Dang. Wow, she is a good writer, though. I like that line. Gaslight someone and they'll serve for a day. Teach them to gaslight themselves and they'll serve forever. Bars. Um, I keep thinking my frustrations were my fault. I was too arrogant. I was missing the point. My motivations were bad and that's why I couldn't be used. Plus, no church is perfect and God was testing me. And the best was yet to come. All the um, like big Hillsong type churches all say that. That's like their favorite line. So I could have just been happy to serve. And thankful for the level of access I have and the privilege that I did. Because most people didn't. Most people had to line up early in all kinds of weather for a chance at decent seats. Because most people didn't have a seat in the reserve section. Most people never got to meet Carl, much less trade a passive-aggressive text. Most people have no resource recourse when they were being mistreated by their leaders. While I was able to move pretty freely, and at times someone did flex on me, I could not get my complaint heard. Not that it did much good, because within the Hillsong hierarchy, people are great at appearing one way, and to people above them, while completely different, to the people they deem themselves to be above. I think that's really interesting what she said there about gaslighting themselves. Like, once again, more forms from according to this person. This is all one person's perspective. But I think this is in a lot of churches where spiritual abuse is used in this way, where people are told the reason they're not where they are is because it's their fault. And that's why they're not getting blessed. It's really messed up. And there's a lot of ways you can do that to people. So just be happy with what you got. The other thing that stood out to me was, you know, yes, I really do believe you should honor the people who serve the most. Like, honor those who deserve honor, like simple principle, you know, because most churches is a small group of volunteers who do like 80% of work. And then you have the staff and you have other, but it, it really, most modern churches of this Hillsong structure or any mega ch- any church structure, really, unfortunately, the volunteers are like the foundation that makes the operations run. And those people should be able to be honored. And I don't have a problem with reserve seating. The problem I do have, though, is just like, we worship pastors. And could you imagine, oh my gosh, my pastor is the pastor of all these celebrities. I really want to be near them. I need to. Oh my gosh, I want to meet Carl Lentz. Like, that's crazy. But even people do that in smaller churches. I've seen it in a lot of churches where people just want to get access to the pastor. It's wild, you know, these are just people. And then so even non-celebrity pastors are treated like celebrities in their local church. And it's problematic. It's problematic because then you think access is something a lot of people want. People want to be near power. It's this thing. I don't know what it is, but it's such a gravitating power. You know, it's literally like gravity, like you're you're Jupiter and you're pulling in all these other little moons, these little satellites around you. That's literally what it's like. And I don't know what it is. I don't know what this is about human psyche that wants them to be around power. But it's very intoxicating. Did you guys like I did it? In power. All right, let's go to the next one. Maybe even me. I hope not. Wait, I read that weird. Maybe 
even me. I hope not. But I can't say for sure because I was definitely part of the problem. I let my privilege keep me complicit. Ooh, she used a uh, trigger word for a lot of people. Privilege. I hope that didn't bust your eardrums. But it's true. I think sometimes we're in comfortable positions. Even if someone has a better position, it's easier just to kind of let the system do what it does. I remember working in politics. And when I first got in, I was such like a hellraiser, bomb thrower. But then the system slowly eroded away at me. And little things that I had a problem with didn't seem as big as a problem. I'll get to it eventually. I'm still against it, but it kind of works. And then you get more power and more privilege and more access. It's dangerous. Privilege is a dangerous place to be if you don't have self-awareness. I'm going to repeat that because that was such a good thing. Privilege is a dangerous place to be if you are not self-aware. I don't think I said that exactly the same way as I did the first time. Um, By convincing myself that gross inequities and abuses of power were just bugs in the system... That was doing enough good to outweigh the bad because people were meeting Jesus. And that was the main thing, right? And somebody had to speak up about equality if it was not me. Who? And I had to put so much time in. So even if it got harder and harder to unsee how emotionally and spiritually manipulative the Hillsong structure is, I was so close to being in position to affect real change, maybe. In the end, I realized Hillsong was never going to change. That even if Carl really wanted to be in a more equitable place... And maybe he did. It wasn't really his call. Ultimately, Hillsong wasn't his church and Hillsong isn't built for equality. It thrives on inequity. And balances of power, access and opportunity. Hillsong is about being blessed and anointed as evidence of being prosperous and powerful. That prosperity gospel, um, I mean, from what I could think, from what I know of Hillsong, I don't think they're like a bunch of heretics or something. But the sort of provincial teaching that borderlines. There's a lot of kind of teaching I've heard from people I respect that sort of makes this argument is that, hey, the reason you're successful is because you're probably doing something right, which doesn't mean it's true. Joel Osteen, he is very popular and he is, he does violence to the Bible. You know, I mean, he really does. And I don't think that's an exaggeration. That's how I would say it. He does violence to the Bible. And this can be so many structures, right? So many structures operate this way. The structure influences the individual. The influence influences the structure. And it goes on and on and on. And they both affect each other. It's dangerous. It's very, very dangerous. Goal number one is to make sure the church machine was old, unlimited supply of souls to grind by preventing the concepts of serving and honor to take advantage of everyone involved, but especially volunteers, constantly requiring them to raise above standards that their leaders weren't required to meet in exchange for partly benefits their leaders would never settle for. How many choir members were told we couldn't afford to give them bottles of water? Bruh, for real? Y'all bringing in $30 million, can't give out water? While the weekly green room spread for the pastoral staff was lush. Dang, I should apply for there for a job. I want a lush green room. Um, <laughs> and then times that inequality, about 4,000 difference between the meals provided for volunteers for Hillsong and those for platinum guests slash VP visitors. 
it was unreal and unchristlike because people can find a million ways to justify their decisions, but they can't pretend in what Jesus would do. Look, I think it's really cool when churches honor special guests, but we all have the seat at the table, you know, like when you think about the table or communion or the love feast, we are all equal and we all get to join in and participating in the partaking of the body of Christ, whether you believe that's literal or figurative. We'll get into there. But when you're taking the Eucharist or communion, everyone is equal. And we should apply that same idea and structure and principle to every aspect of the church. Now, it's okay to honor people because some people work really hard. And like I said, most work's done by volunteers. Volunteers should be really respected and given all types of nice things. One thing I can say about the church I went to is that a lot of times volunteer staff was honored and was given like meals and call outs and shouts out. But even in my own church, there was definitely favorites, and I was one of those favorites. Um, and I want to talk a little bit more about this, how that happened, and what my reaction to it was. But it did offer me more access and privilege, so I get it. I completely get it. And I never asked for those things either. I just kind of ended up in them, but that's a different story. But we'll talk about that later. And I don't think there's anything necessarily like that people are doing these things badly in most cases. But this seems very... From this article, from this one person who's saying these claims, I can see this happening in a lot of ways where people up top get way more. And I understand that in the corporate world, but I don't think the church should work that way. It just shouldn't. You know, like, it should be, I think, you know, someone who's a speaking pastor should be comfortable in a room full of volunteers who do parking or checking coats or usher in people. Like, there shouldn't be some weird separation. That's so whack. That's super whack. What's the difference then? Might as well just speak at a corporate event. At the same time, I can't pretend, won't pretend it was all bad. Because it wasn't. Which many of us look back with such a benevolence because while being used by people who should have cared for, cared for us, we were bonding with others in the trenches. The majority of my closest friends are people I met at Hillsong, volunteered with at Hillsong, and was in connecting groups with Hillsong. So was she just a volunteer not getting any money at all? And I wouldn't trade in for the healthy spirituality in the world. So all well that ends well, right? Except it isn't. Ended. Except it hasn't ended. The trauma's ongoing. Roughly for every 10 people I know from my time at Hillsong, three will still be there. Two will be at some other church and five will be nowhere at all. Traumatized from their time at Hillsong, NYC. That always breaks my heart is that people have a bad experience at a church so they leave the body of Christ completely. I mean, it's almost like Satan doesn't have to do anything at all. We just do all the work. Uh, and maybe Hillsong Global doesn't care because it knows it's too big to fail. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know much about the inner structures of Hillsong. This is all alleged stuff, but I can see how a big, giant organization does that it's like the banks the giant banks in the u.s in the world right where they kind of know that the u.s government's not going to let them fail so they can fudge a little things here and there but smaller banks don't necessarily have that opportunity individuals don't i mean we've seen that when all the layoffs and shutdowns the government was nowhere to be found who got the majority of that stimulus money all right i'm going political now let me go back um, and maybe Global Hillsong doesn't care because it knows it's too big to fail. 
it will keep calling all, kind of, why am I not reading today? It will keep colonizing its way into sufficiently gentrified neighborhoods and burning through people. So I've heard that criticism of Hillsong before. They kind of pick areas that are mostly black and brown. And of course, because they're there, and a lot of, I heard a lot of people have made that accusation against a lot of big churches. Like Elevation, they pick areas with low property area value and they raise the property value. And then those people who live there don't necessarily benefit from it. All these places make ridiculous amounts of money. Um, take it how you want to take that there. Uh, just like any other global franchise, it's not the healthiest option, not the best, but it has name recognition and it's predictable and there's something comfortable about that. So I hope Hillsong Global doesn't think it's too big to fix and I hope it doesn't try to pin all the problems of Hillsong East Coast on Carl Lentz. He, like many of us, was a victim and a villain of the framework. He has landed. Ooh, this girl is a good writer. He, like so many of us, was a victim and villain of the framework he was handed. We all get to participate in this structure, and it's really hard. Are we all Babylon? Hmm, good question. Are we all Egypt? I mean, we're not. We're all saved through Christ. So we are his sons, but do we participate in the system? Is that what we're fighting against? Is that part of the powers and principalities? I don't know. I'll leave that there for you guys. Um, and he fumbled the ball in the bag badly. But culture isn't taught. It's caught, right? So even if as I write this and I know how much I've said I friends who had deeply swollen into Hillsong, I say you can't have it both ways. A leader cannot be the corrupt within a good structure and with nobody noticing it for so long. Especially not Carl Lentz. Emotional, spoiled, and pampered coddle Carl Lentz. Bless his heart. Um, and then she just talks about how to connect with people who've been um, hurt by Hillsong and the do the, uh, how to connect to do the... Uh, do the uh what's that thing called there be part of the investigation so i mean i just want to i, I kind of have a couple thoughts at the end there i don't know if i agree with that last statement um i think that people in toxic environments are taught to do that i remember this job i worked for where up the executives were just kind of ruthless so they taught their management to be ruthless which taught the supervisors to be ruthless which taught the employees to be ruthless which then re-circulated itself within the culture so it goes both ways like you know some people want to blame the structure and say it corrupts individuals some people say the individual corrupts other individuals but i think it's a mixture of both that's not very hard to detangle and they work in the same way but this article is really interesting it highlights a couple different things tell me what you guys think Make sure to like and subscribe. This is This Beautiful Crazy Life. Um, I don't think I have anything else to add. Share this with your friends. This is kind of long, but hope you guys enjoy it. Hope you like the thoughts. Catch you guys later.